Welcome to Through the Glass Recovery Podcast, where we believe that connection is the opposite of addiction, vulnerability is the antidote to shame, and that recovery isn't just rewarding, but also a lot of fun. We're your hosts, Julie and Steve. Listen as we get together with friends to shed light on the hard things, talk about the other side of addiction, and how we create a life so full there's no space left for alcohol. When you quit drinking, it suddenly feels like the days are 134 hours long. How do you fill all that time? In this episode, we talk to Ray, Jesse, and Jamie about dealing with boredom and sobriety. We talk about what it feels like in recovery to start filling all the newfound free time and discuss some of the ways we did that. We talk about finding new hobbies, how to deal with previously fun activities starting to feel boring, and we chat about how finding meaningful connections has helped fill our time in a positive way. Before we get started, we want to thank our loyal listeners for being here with us each week. We are so grateful for you all and wouldn't be here without you. If you haven't yet left a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform, we would really appreciate it if you would. Those make a big difference in getting our podcast to the ears of new listeners. All right. So we are here tonight with Ray, Jamie, and Jesse. I'm so excited to have you all here. Mm -hmm. And we're going to do some quick introductions first. Ray is a good friend of ours. And Ray has been hugely inspirational in my sobriety. We are so excited to have you here tonight. How are you? I'm good. I'm Ray. I'm 30. I've been sober for two years. Okay, so next we'll do Jamie, and Jamie has been a friend of Steve and mine for, gosh, over a year now, I think. Over a year now, yeah. Yeah, how are you tonight? Wow. Great. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. So I'm Jamie. Uh, I live in British Columbia, a small island, and tomorrow, I believe, is 22 months. So getting there every one day at a time. So cool. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here and happy almost two years. I'm so excited for you. And last but not least, we have Jesse. And Jesse is a lovely artist that Steve met on Instagram. I was so excited when he showed me your account. So Aww. thank you for being here tonight. Thank you so much. My name's Jesse. I'm 32. I live in Texas. I'm uh, Sober Sketches on Instagram. And I'm currently in nursing school. I'm in my final semester, finally. And I just started the, I originally went to school for art. So I picked that up again in my sobriety. So that's where that page comes from. Really cool. Yeah. And how long have you been sober? Uh, 60 days. Very cool. Congratulations. Congratulations. (laughs) Really, really awesome. Yeah. And I'll include Jesse's Instagram information in the show notes so everybody can look you up and follow you and see some of your amazing artwork. I love it. So for our topic tonight, a lot of us, when we quit drinking, we quickly realize how much of our time was dedicated to alcohol. When we stop, we free up all of that time and suddenly the days can seem really long. The boredom sets in hours drag on, and sometimes that can be a danger zone. So we're going to talk about boredom tonight. How do you handle it? What ways have you found to fill your time so it doesn't feel like the days last forever? Yeah, I I can start. I feel like I'm kind of the more 
newer one at this. Um, and I remember my first week really vividly. Uh, it was super raw. It was the longest week of my life. Um, I spent a lot of it very bored because I didn't know what to do. <laughs> and even just doing like daily tasks, like I remember going, attempting to go to the grocery store for the first time sober and grocery stores down here in Texas are huge. We have a big one called HEB. And I just stood in the middle of it in a crowd and got so overwhelmed and had to leave and then went home and just sat down on the couch and did nothing for the rest of the day. But it was one of those days. It's like, as long as I'm not drinking, it's a good day. Mm -hmm. But even like cleaning the house, going shopping, stuff like that. It's like, I had to relearn how to be okay with it. Not being like a blurry event. (laughs) Right. Especially that first week, it felt like, like the day was normal until five o'clock. And then from like five to 10 PM felt like 18 hours, (laughs) like it just dragged on. And I think maybe a lot of people kind of feel that I think they say like the wine, witch is calling right around five o'clock, but yeah, it felt like no matter what I did, I struggled just to fill all of that time. I was a smoker. So I smoked only at work. I didn't smoke at home, but I started like, I didn't smoke in my truck. And then I started smoking in my truck. I was bored driving because I used to drink and drive. So I I was filling it with something else because I couldn't sit. Like I, I was drinking. I was, it was, it was my thing to do while I was driving. And then, so then it turned into my thing to do while driving was was smoking and then figuring out how to hide my smoking. <laughs> but that was that was one of the things I did to fill the like I literally just changed one addiction with another. I just that's that's what happened there for a little while. I did end up quitting smoking because I realized that I was doing the exact same thing with smoking that I was with with alcohol. It was just creeping into everywhere in my life and I was hiding it and I was doing all of the things that I was doing with alcohol. But like you said, it's fill the time. Jeez. After I quit, I realized how much time you spent thinking about drinking and where to, where I was going to get my next drink and uh, if I was going to have enough. And I never planned very far ahead. Like it was buy two bottles. And then when that, when that bottle got low, was figure out an excuse to go and buy another one, go for a driver, whatever it was. And that, but once that was gone, just, like you said, Jesse, it's like relearning stuff, even simple house tasks was was like, okay, I'm going to go and do this, but it's not a blur. It's not like that task all on its own had to be exactly what it was. It didn't have my buddy booze hanging out with me while I was doing it. It was actually, you know, being present in the task was really, really weird experience right at the beginning of sobriety. Yeah, I I can definitely identify with that, Steve, especially since, I mean, my drinking really got out of control after my divorce and it was during COVID and I was alone all the time and drinking alone. And, you know, that became, you know, that's how you clean the house. And that's how you, you know, as you said, it was, it's my buddy, but in terms of boredom, actually, with the, the as soon as I saw the topic, I was thinking, I rarely feel boredom. I always have, I feel like I have 5 billion things that I want to do, projects, like I'm the person that has 500, way too many projects on the go all the time. So 
I never felt like that kind of boredom, like how to fill the day. That's never been a problem for me. And I, I don't ever will be. But at the same time, there was a, uh, a boredom with being sober. Mm. Like, how do I, uh, you know, how do I, like, I can be doing something all night, but it's like, how do I kind of like escape that, you know, the normal feeling of just being present. And that's been such a huge part of my, everyone's recovery, I guess, is like getting down to what is that, that feeling that you, that makes you want to escape. It makes you want to like not be comfortable with where you're sitting. And that's, that's the really, that's the boredom I felt. It was more like a, uh, like almost like a, a stagnancy or. Like things that were entertaining when you were a drunk weren't so entertaining anymore when you were sober. Yeah. That's, that's a really good way to put that. Yeah. I'm like Jamie. I stay, I've always just been a really busy person with a thousand projects going. I very much have always been kind of the artsy type. So I have knitting and painting and sewing and everything going at all times. But sometimes I either, I get bored doing it because it's just not quite as, it doesn't feel as entertaining or I feel restless and I don't know what to do because there's too much. Like there were so many times I'd get left at home alone, you know, if my my kids and husband were, everybody was gone and I could have done any one of those projects, but I would just sit and drink instead. So even though I had a thousand different things I could be doing that I would have enjoyed doing, that's how I chose to spend that time. So it was very weird. It's almost still weird when everybody's gone. Like, I don't know. I just, I feel, I don't know what to do sometimes. I don't know. It just feels a little, it just feels different. It's not even bad. It's just different. I think it's, I think we all get uncomfortable just with the sitting in being sober, like you said. None of us are good at being uncomfortable. Most of us, that's why we drink. <laughs> no, for sure. Just that I, I didn't realize how much I was drinking, I think, to create that kind of chaos and like buzz and like something happening. So I didn't have to think um, or remember or, you know, why ever people drink. But like I've always worked in hospitals, too, while I've been getting my degree. So I work in an ER right now and I do registration. So it's my job to sit at the front. And everybody comes into my window and they're all frazzled and, you know, like having an emergency. And so it's like that back to back to back to back. And then I get home and it's, or even my drive home, like I have to blast music and AC. And then as soon as I get home, like it's so quiet and it's just sitting in the quiet and not having a drink. That's been the, probably the most difficult this whole time. Like if it weren't for melatonin, I don't know what I would do. (laughs) You said something that, hit a button for me and that was creating chaos inside of the boredom i'm stuck in my own head and when i'm stuck in my own head i can create chaos either within relationships because i can start telling myself a story that doesn't exist and then i can reach out and say hey look here's my problem like literally create a problem i'm guilty of that just ask julie but i mean it's almost like an addiction to drama, right? So I'm bored if I create something, then I'm not bored anymore because now I have a problem that needs to be dealt with, right? And within that problem, I now get attention, right? An unhealthy version of it. 
and it gets it gets reflected back to me because it's like oh my god you have a problem and i care and 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 so you know i'm not bored anymore because i've created something that is really generally unhealthy that is something i'm guilty of i don't like admitting that but it is it's it's definitely true and that was i, I think if i look deep enough i think a lot of that was born out of either uh, an anxious attachment or boredom and that goes with like one of the first things i did to fill that time was i started baking bread and anyone who knows a little bit of my story was i started baking bread it was one of those things that i had always wanted to try and i had heard someone say start just just take on a hobby try something new there has to be something that Steve, you you wanted to try for a really long time and just never had the courage to do it or the will to do it or the energy to do it for that matter. And when I'm drinking, you know, I really didn't have the energy to do anything. But I did. That was the first hobby I really took up was baking bread. And it was phenomenal. It gave me a sense of accomplishment that I hadn't had in a really long time. Right? Like just everything from the tediousness of it and the care that was involved in, you know, mixing the yeast and making it and even the cleaning. It was, it gave me a purpose. It gave me something to do as simple as it was trying a hobby and actually completing a task because I was horrible at completing anything. If I started it and it's still to this day, I will start something and I'll get three quarters of the way through it and I'll leave it there. Right. This is true. I have seen this. <laughs> and it's there's there's a fear involved. It has nothing to do with boredom. I will just go on to a next task. But still, definitely finding different avenues to put that silence. I called it the chaos of nothingness because that's what it was. It was just like this empty space that needed to be filled that I filled with alcohol. I think... For a lot of people, that's really big. Think of something you've always wanted to try and just go try it. Mm. And I think that the first thing that comes with that is the fear of failure <laughs> because nobody wants to do something and be really bad at it. And I think, again, we all are just trying to avoid uncomfortable you know, situations, but there's there's a lot of value in just deciding to try something and deciding that it's okay if you're terrible at it. I have a friend whose therapist actually suggested go try something new that you know you're going to fail at just to get comfortable failing at it and like get comfortable with the feeling of not being good at something that when she told me that I was like, that makes my skin crawl just thinking about it. Like, I'm really glad that you are going to tackle that (laughs) and that that's not my therapist's homework for me. (laughs) But there is a beauty in just trying the things that you've always been a little bit afraid to try. And I think it's really empowering just to give yourself the chance to do it, even if it's something that you end up not liking or like there's no harm in trying something and realizing you really don't enjoy it. That's okay. At least you filled that time and you were productive and you gave yourself a chance at something. And I mean, there's things I try all the time that I'll do it once and I'll be glad that I tried it. And then I can call that a good experience and I can move on to something different. And I think that's okay. We just get stuck in the, well, I, you know, I want to try this, this new thing, but what if I'm terrible at it? 
and then we don't do it. And I don't know. I think we rob ourselves of a lot of experiences when we do that. I don't know. I'm really good at, at talking myself out of just about anything or convincing myself that I'll be bad at it or convincing myself all the reasons that I shouldn't do it or, you know, and I think it's better if we just kind of give ourselves a chance to try something new. I I can definitely speak to that because in early recovery, everyone was saying, yeah, get, get hobbies, stay busy, which wasn't a problem, but I, I did. So I'm 54. And so, yeah, I mean, I was 52 and I'd always love house music. I'd go out, I'd, I'd be dancing until the wee hours, you know, just have always loved house music. And I decided I wanted to DJ. <laughs> so, I love this. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah, I started, I went and I bought the gear and started just with some friends who were DJs and they started showing me and I started collecting music. And then suddenly, you know, I started getting gigs and then I was playing weekly at a distillery of all places. (laughs) 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 But they make beautiful lavender tonics and, you know, (laughs) but it was, um, it was so amazing. And, you know, I would stay up at late at night, sober, listening to music, collecting new tracks, listening to inspirational DJs. Like when I, and I, I just feel like my world opened up and now, I mean, I'm playing tons of gigs this summer. I'm playing two gigs in February, you know, and it's like, I'm 54. I love everything about it. I can't even tell you. What is going on? I have a DJ name. Yeah, it's amazing. So what's your DJ name? Oh, DJ DJ Yeshi. Nice. Very cool. Yeshi's my Tibetan, my Buddhist given name. And it means uh, female primordial wisdom. But I just kind of feel like when I'm playing music, I'm in the flow. Like things are, are moving. And so, you know, things bored of boredom and trying new things. Uh, fully, I tried it and I was like, what am I doing? I'm, I'm, I'm old. And yet I have never felt so alive. And it just, yeah, it just makes me so happy. I don't really care if nobody else likes it, actually. <laughs> I think that is so cool. Like I'm, so if somebody had told you back when you were like heavily in your, in your addiction, eventually you're going to be a DJ and you're going to be playing gigs. Would you have believed that? No. That's where I like, if anybody told me, here's what your life is going to look like, here are the things you're going to be interested in. If anybody had told me when I was like heavy in my addiction, someday you're going to have a podcast about sobriety. Like I, I would have thought they were crazy. And I think the Mm -hmm. coolest thing is that when you do quit drinking and you start exploring that, there's no way to even have any idea what your life is going to look like in a year and what cool things you're going to be doing with your time. And like that world just opens up, like all of this potential is created with all of that extra time because you have to find ways to fill that time that actually fill your soul. And I don't know, I think it's really amazing the potential that boredom creates in a way. There's a real movement for for around, I know, with parents and, and kids and kids being so entertained these days by, you know, phones and iPads and, and all these devices. And there's a real movement towards letting letting kids get bored 
to inspire, you know, exploration and creativity. Creativity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, people are, are celebrating boredom as a catalyst for creativity. So it is absolutely a catalyst for creativity. Yeah. For kids and adults alike, mm-hmm. we're all uncomfortable being bored too. So we just don't have parents telling us, no, you can't get on your phone right now. So that's what we do. I think a lot of us do that or, you know, some kind of electronic, something to just fill the void. If we right. let ourselves be bored, there's a lot of potential in there. My right. dad told me to get off the phone. <laughs> 87. <laughs> that's awesome. Right. What did you do when you were bored? I'm sorry. I'm so nervous. It's okay. I'm nervous too. (laughs) May made stars. I think you should talk about your stars because I love your stars. What'd you do when you were doing in in solitude, right? Yeah. I think, um, I think what was really hard is just how much it seeps into everything like drinking right because you have um the actual drinking the time that you're drinking and then you have the recovery time the next day where you just feel like crap you can't do anything and when you're not doing that constant cycle anymore there's like massive days of time and things to do and just finding out who you are and what you like is really difficult because it's so personal and we're all people I feel like who really care what other people think and really care about what we look like and you know what are people going to think about me at my age doing this or me as a woman doing this like not to put you on the spot but like when Julie went on that hike I was really concerned for her because she's petite and a woman and she was just gonna like hike across the country and state. it was the state <laughs> it was pretty much the country <laughs> that's what it felt like to me um yeah it's um you have a lot of suggestions too right like of other people like people get really into fitness and that was just not for me i started baking because i had always liked baking and it really helped with my sweet tooth And then the folding stars was something that I did when I was a kid. Like I kind of a little bit dabbled in origami and because I'm from Guam and that's kind of like close to Japan. So I even took like Japanese lessons and like we played like Korean jacks. I have a lot of like Asian influence and it turned out to be really meditative for me, just like the constant like folding of the paper and it's quiet and at the end of the task, you have something that's really beautiful. And it's even better for me now that I'm on a diet because I can't eat it. So <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of time that I spent doing things that I was like drinking through because I felt like I had to. Like I felt like I had to be this like Instagram, Facebook mom, right? That had the perfect holiday spread and my son had like the cutest outfits and he was and i had to like document everything right and i had to make sure that people knew that we had this amazing life so i'd be like drinking through making these meals that i really didn't care about making 
decorating the house in a way that I just don't do anymore at all. So to find yourself and find what you actually want to do with your time so that you don't hate it and want to drink because it's because you're miserable. It's a huge process. I like doing nothing, which is so surprising because I was that person who always I was always doing something, you know, like I had meals planned in advance. I had outfits planned in advance. I had my closet color coded and like style coded like it was insane. And now it's just I give myself permission to just be like I don't. And I used to think it was like failure, but it's not. It's just, there's a billion different ways to live your life. You can be that mom that's on top of it and maybe you're great at it and maybe it brings you joy. Not me. I identify as a mess. I'm just kind of always a little bit <laughs> like, if you were like looking at a target, I'd just be like a little bit off center. Like I almost got there, but not really. <laughs> And that's just, and it's okay for me to be that person. It's okay for me to be the person that, because I don't want my son to think that he has to be perfect or he has to live up to something that he isn't naturally. Whoever he's supposed to be, he's going to be that. And he's going to attract whoever he needs to attract into his life and do whatever he's supposed to do. I think... So I did the the Pinterest perfect mom thing too. And and I've said this before, I consider myself a recovering perfectionist as much as I consider myself a recovering alcoholic. And once I quit drinking, I had to let go of the perfectionism. I didn't have a choice. There was no way I was going to stay sober and still try to look perfect on the outside. It just, I tried that once and then I relapsed. So this round, I had to drop the perfectionism too. And I recognize that. I think I recognize that in week one or week two, like I was not going to be able to maintain that the level of energy that it took to try to look perfect all the time and take all of the pictures to put on Facebook and to bake all of the things and, and decorate, just like you said, once you take all of that out and you take out drinking, there's a lot of hours in the day. Mm-hmm. a lot of them. And so it was definitely an exploration and what do I actually care about? What is actually important to me? Where do I want to spend all of this time and energy? Because I have been spending it in a thousand ways that never met any of my actual needs or filled my soul at all. One thing that I did that was really powerful was started going to Zoom meetings and connecting with people on Telegram. Like there's a lot of us from the I Am Sober community that, you know, we, we met online and then we started getting in touch on, on texting and the me, making connections with people who really wanted to connect on a meaningful level ended up filling a lot of my time early on. And it still does because it's something that is fulfilling to me. To me, it's so much more valuable to have a great conversation with a friend, a really meaningful conversation with a friend than it is to bake the perfect cake so I can take pictures of it so I can put them on Facebook. And so I started realizing, I guess, what was actually important to me and how my time was best spent. 
benefiting myself and benefiting other people. And I think early on, you know, all of the quitlet, listening to podcasts, reading articles, anything I could do to fill my head with sobriety tools was really important. I think I spent as much time on sobriety as I did on drinking, at least in the first 30, 60, 90 days, because I didn't have a choice. I had to, that was, that was like the number one way I was going to stay sober. I definitely filled a lot of my time up with communicating with other sober, newly sober people. I mean, for right at the beginning, I was on the IAS, I am sober app, and I was started out there on day six and I posted there and then I started reading other people's stories and like that was, you know, pretty freeing just to read how somebody else's day was going and then having the opportunity to either relate to it or just, you know, say something positive. It was a big shift that ended up happening where I ended up with this freedom to like, and that's part of that, that time, all that time gets freed up and it's it's this freedom to like do things, communicate with honest people for, you know, the first time what felt like, in forever is have a vulnerable conversation and have it be okay. Yeah. That was just like through posting and not even text messaging right at the beginning. But as soon as I figured out, I could start telling my truth. It was, it was, where can I put it? (laughs) Yeah. Connecting with people was really huge for, I think a lot of us. Mm Mm-hmm. I started doing um, like family game nights to help pass the time, which really helped my son too, I think, gain a lot of trust back in me because we were spending that time together. I was coherent and making it happen every week because I had broken a lot of promises before. So to have something that I did consistently finally, I think was really good. I think uh, in boredom, there's a lot of time to reflect on who you are in sobriety, because so much of, at least for me, like my drinking was trying to fit into this idea of a person I thought I should be, or like this impressive person. And and then I got to a point now when I sit with all my thoughts that I'm like, I don't think I liked a single person I was hanging out with when I was drinking and I didn't Mm -hmm. think they were even particularly good people. (laughs) Like I didn't want to be anything like them in real life. So I don't know why it felt like a lot of pretending. So in sobriety now, I, I, the way that I'm doing it is what would like 12 year old Jesse want to do? Cause that's the last time I can think when I was like truly authentic and didn't care what other people thought. And so I actually did recently get an Elvira tattoo because that's something 12 year old me would have thought was really cool. That's <laughs> amazing. amazing. I love it. And just the drawing again, like I said, just stuff that I, I enjoy doing that has no purpose or like watching funny movies when I know I should be studying. <laughs> but if you allow yourself a little bit of time to just play again, I think that can help. Play. <laughs> <laughs> Again, Jesse, you nailed it. <laughs> yes. No, seriously. What happened to play when I was drinking? What happened to play when you were drinking? Gone. gone. It was just acting. It was like a unicorn, a rare appearance. 
<laughs> appearance and experience all in the same word. It's like a unicorn, a rare experience and play to fill the boredom. Yeah. There's something just so genuine about looking stupid and being silly. And there was none of <laughs> none of that with the people at least that I was hanging out with. So trying to do that. We actually went to, my wife and I went to this, um, it's like a vamp, it's hard to, okay, it's hard to explain if you haven't been to it. It's like a vampire lounge, like cafe here in Austin. And they had an Edgar Allan Poe reading and we got to dress up and the people, they had like an Adams family uh, dress up contest. So I got to also my 12 year old self was, would have loved that. Like I need to, my mom never let me wear black or, you know, dye my hair black or anything. So getting to go to that and be with other adults who were just there to like, nobody cared. Like you could just show up as you were. And it's such a silly uh, concept, but it was a really good day. It's fun and vulnerable and it's imperfect and it's all of the things that we should all be trying to do. I think that sounds like an amazing experience. That's a good reason to smile and laugh and have fun. And it's a good way to let yourself let go. We're always so uptight. So many of us in the recovery community are so uptight about so much and take everything so seriously. And I feel like when I quit drinking, I finally stopped doing that. I always thought I wouldn't be fun once I quit drinking And I mean, I don't know how much fun I am. I'm certainly not the entertainment like I was when I was drunk all the time, but I have fun. I experience fun and joy and like belly laughs and being silly. And all of that is a beautiful thing to see. It takes vulnerability to have fun. It does. That's the beauty of it. And generally, if something's making you belly laugh, it's probably pretty vulnerable. (laughs) Just the way it is. We talked about boredom and there's some unhealthy ways. I mentioned the unhealthy way to cope is creating chaos. But there's also a lot of good ways that we talked about. It's an opportunity to find ourselves that it's okay to do nothing. Connecting with people using that time to figure out who you are. What would your 12-year-old self do, Jesse? I really, really like that one. (laughs) That is great. just puts in so much play and authenticity and discovery and just allowing yourself to feel like a child. It's That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Trying new things, and then you never know what passion you're going to find. Jesse found hers and, and it's just by experimenting. And I think filling the boredom with experimenting is really a beautiful thing, whether it's play or a task or baking or whatever that may be podcasting. <laughs> Julie. Eh? <laughs> I want to say thank you, Ray. Thank you, Jesse, for coming here last minute. I really appreciate you coming on tonight and thank you, Jamie, for sharing your thoughts and time with us tonight. Thank you, you, Steve and Julie. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks so much. This is fun. Thank you guys. We appreciate you. And of course we want to thank our listeners for sharing this space with us today. Make sure you are subscribed 
so you don't miss next week's episode where we have a really insightful conversation about facing self-doubt with some very special guests.